You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hey everybody, this is Rick Hadrava, and you're listening to another episode of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Listen, I have a great guest today. Her name is Sarita Wilson. She is the owner of Annie's Rough House, which is a doggy daycare in Norman, Oklahoma. And I want to share a little bit of of what makes her so unique to me. I've just met her recently, and I have to give credit to my friend Steve Gordon at the Unstoppable CEO podcast, where I was a guest several years ago. I walked into my office a few weeks ago, and Sarita had gone through the Value Builder questionnaire. Uh, You can find that on my website, by the way at epicsbiz.com and she had gleaned something from the podcast that Steve and I had done together and took it upon herself to go through the assessment and as always with anyone who takes the value builder assessment and gets her score I give them some time on a phone call just to ask questions find out more and what I easily came to the conclusion was this was a very interesting person somebody that I wanted to get to know more. And so I offered her an hour of my time to go through her results, to dig into a little bit more of her situation. And I told her that the only thing I wanted in return was to have her on as a guest, because I think that she's got a fabulous story. I think you're going to agree with me uh, as we get, get through the day. So with that, help me in welcoming Sarita Wilson to the Epic Studios. Welcome. Thank you, Rick. I'm so excited to be here. And uh, I think I might have taken maybe two or more hours of your time because I'm a talker. Um, So I really appreciate your perspective and and I enjoyed hearing you on the podcast. Well, let me ask you this. Let's get right into it because we've spent, you're right, you and I have spent a lot of time, but it's been great time. And I want to share the stories that we talked about today. But let's start with Annie's Rough House. How did you come into that business? You know, what is it? Tell us a little bit about sure. your start with that with that company. Sure. Um, Annie's Rough House was the accidental brainchild of a desperate person sitting in an office in a fairly unhappy career path. Um, I had spent 16 years in the telecommunications industry, starting from the very... Um, grassroots or bottom of the ladder, what do you want to call it, um, cable TV installer in the very early 90s and uh, back in the olden days of, of cable. And um, I happened to stay with that company for long enough to move into all sorts of jobs there. One of my favorites was uh, in the engineering department where I built fiber optics. And we, it was right when the the fiber needed to be more redundant and there were more um, products being rolled out through the fiber um, network. So they needed to have some redundant paths and they needed some engineers to be able to build that out. And they sent me to a school to do that. And I was in the right place at the right time. I sort of accidentally 
Mr. Magood my way into that job and I loved it. And at this point in my life, I understand that I loved the project of it. I loved being able to have a problem and engineer a solution towards that problem. Um, however, I was the only woman in the room most of the time or the field or the pole or the ditch or wherever I was. I was generally the only woman in that situation. And a lot of times that was met with fun emotions. We'll just call them fun. People didn't like me being there. Some people loved me being there. Um, it was hard to identify what my role was sometimes. Um, and I ended up taking other jobs and basically promoting myself up into a place that made everybody uncomfortable. And uh, in that discomfort of theirs, I was told to stop applying for these advancements uh, and that maybe my talents would be better used in the marketing area. And as a 50-year-old person, looking back on my middle 30s self, I don't know why anybody would have thought 16 years of construction would relate to a marketing talent, other than the fact that marketing is generally more of a girl job than is construction. So, Do you think that was a proverbial uh, ceiling for you then? Yes. I hit the ceiling. I took the advice. I went to a marketing department, <clears throat> and I was like a bull in a china shop. I was curse words and direct statements, <laughs> and it wasn't that my soft skills just weren't there. So I um, pretty much pissed everybody off in, in the area. Um, I, w I wouldn't say I was successful in that job, but, but I got the job done that they wanted done, just not probably in the manner they wanted it done. So this started me down the path of a very unhappy Time where I hated my job. I hated just the doors that were being slammed basically in my face. So I started the realization and, and sort of the self-reflection of what I want to do. And I kind of figured out, well, I'm going to start a business. I'd gotten some a very tiny amount of money from my grandmother when she died, and, and that was very heavy money. I don't know if anybody else has gotten grandma dollars, but those grandma dollars can be really, really heavy, and you want to do something with them because you know that, that your grandma's worked her whole life and through the Depression and all those things uh, to get that you know 6,000 little dollars in my lap. So I, I ended up uh, in a meeting one day, and my I got a call that my dogs had escaped. The most basic of things, I went looking for a, a doggy daycare in my town of uh, at Norman, Oklahoma, and there wasn't one. 120,000 people, and there's not a doggy daycare. And so I kind of started doing a little research. I um, found out that there were 21 vet clinics at that time and two major pet retailers, and one little boarding facility. And if you do the basic math, if you just do 1% of 120,000 people, you come up with a pretty decent number Absolutely. that you can, you know, um, have a little doggy daycare. So I said, great, quit my job in January. In May, we had the doors open. And that's, to, I guess, the rest is history. Um, I would like to say that we opened doors to zero customers. 
You opened doors to zero. Zero customers. So how long did it take? So so 16 years in the corporate world, safe mm-hmm. to say, mm-hmm. um, and you kind of saw the writing on the wall. I, I got a sense that you were a little frustrated, burnt, burned out in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, in the little bit that we've talked, I think you truly are an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I love the fact that what you did is you identified a problem, mm-hmm. right? And you came up with a solution. But you open the doors, nobody's there. How long does it take you from the time you open the doors to where you're starting to go away from that anxiety of, oh my gosh, is this going to work to, hey, you know what? I think we can do this. That's a great question. Um, Day one, no customers. I didn't have any money left over after build out to do any real marketing. I sent, I think, maybe 25 postcards to dentists and um travel agents why dentists and travel agents i do the travel agents well we were offering boarding so i figured if people were traveling they might be looking for um our services and then i just was like well i have another you know 15 cards or whatever it is almost who do i send them to and i thought well everybody goes to the dentist Fair enough. So i sent them to dentist and a funny story is that you could probably trace every one of my customers back to one travel agent and one dentist in Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> really? So word of mouth? Word of mouth. So we spend zero dollars over now still. I continue that very successful business model of having zero dollars for marketing. And I um, just use word of mouth and we just uh, tell the story of what we do daily on Facebook. And um, we ask people to refer their friends and we give them discounts. So I guess it, yeah. marketing dollars are coming in the form it- of discounts. But um, this business started when? Did we put a time? 2009. To 2009. 2009. So your question was, when did we uh, kind of launch? So yeah. July of that year, there was a very organic need in the community, which I had bet the farm on, basically, that there would be this need for other people. And people came looking for me because everybody was traveling. Now, 10 years down the road, I know that that is our busy time of year. So you're going to, it's kind of like Christmas presents at Christmas time. You're going to sell them, you know? Right. So um, that was our organic uh, need. We filled up that July. I think July 4th was the first time we had a full house. And I added with our profits in that July, I added more kennels. And each July after that, I basically added more kennels. Until our little five thousand square foot building ultimately filled up with right. with the kennels that we needed, and and I should point out that those kennels were all uh, so my little my little warehouse that I ended up renting is five thousand square foot warehouse that uh, has sixteen foot ceilings, and the floor space I filled up with kennels it only allowed for about twenty kennels. And so I went looking for a better system and got a two-story system inside my little building. Okay. So that's kind of a weird creative thing that we did. How long did it take you to find the building that you were... So, so you look, you actually rented a building instead of buying at the time. Mm-hmm. You rented... I'm curious because I don't think a lot of... I know if I owned a building, I'd be a little hesitant to, yeah. to rent. So. Yeah, How did a, you find the building? We had a very difficult time finding a building. Nobody wanted to rent to us, and we were a weird concept. So a lot of people didn't think we would succeed. Um, so it was kind of that, now what do you want to do? 
Um, you want to have dogs in here just in the daytime, maybe overnight. You know, there was just this whole questioning and a lot of brick walls uh, put up, a lot of literal laughing at me and um, a lot of really expensive spaces. And so having, like I told you, my dollar amount was really low. So I was, I needed to find something that I could afford and that would meet our needs, which were weird. Um, and it's also, there's a little nimbyism on this. No, mm -hmm. You know, everybody wants a doggy daycare, but they don't want it next door to them. Right. You know, because we're a little bit loud and, and stinky. Um, so I actually called about a building in an industrial area. That girl called me back and said, I don't think this will work for you. And I got discouraged thinking that she was saying that, you know, another no. Saying no. Saying no. And, and she said, but I have another building. So let's go look at it. And we went and looked at it. And it was perfect all the things it had a yard space it had a big open indoor space it had a little office for a lobby had everything we needed and it was very expensive <laughs> so uh, i told her i couldn't afford it and uh that you know i really liked it it was awesome but i just can't afford it because i this is how much money i have and there's no way i could make the first few months work and so they ended up calling me back the next day and saying we think your business idea is good it's innovative and we would like to uh, scale this rent for you. Wow. So um, I always credit my success in this to that moment because they recognized that I had something, I had the work, you know, I had most of what was needed and then they were able to bring in and then they have 10 years worth of rent now that, that I, they've been able to get. So. You know, let's hone in on that because that's a very good point with real estate is a lot of times if you're trying to start a new business, we often think that we go in and okay, here's the here's what they're telling us the rents are, um, and a lot I've seen a lot of people just take that for granted, and never ask questions. And I'm a big believer that the worst thing they're going to say is no, mm -hmm. and you have to ask. And I think if you make a compelling argument, um, the right person, not everybody, mm -hmm. but the right person, like in your case, is willing to support you and and work with you and you know in hindsight i'm glad i didn't get those other buildings because those people would not have been ready for the trials i had in the beginning they would not have been ready for what we brought in there a bunch of dogs a bunch of traffic a bunch of people you know um they would they would have either been too picky or or too worried about their building in some way that that this landlord was actually the perfect landlord for me. So in hindsight, uh, I'm glad that that's the way it played out. The other thing that I feel like that was like my number one lesson early on was that I had no idea you could negotiate a lease. Right. So I accidentally negotiated a lease and to my favor. And now that's my advice when I talk to other. It's one of my advice pieces when I talk to other people that are starting out is, is they're like, well, I can't afford the space. And I'm like, go tell them what you can't afford. Because how long has that space been sitting there? If that space has been sitting there, exactly. you capitalize on their need. Yep, so. exactly. And you're and you're helping them. And yeah. it's a great, it's it's no different than anything else in business. It's relationship, right? And it's just connecting with the right person um, and, and not being afraid to, to go back. You know, I think what's interesting is, would it be safe to say that you didn't have a lot of experience with, with doggy daycare. I had zero experience with doggy daycare. I had 16 years of, of really highly technical 
experience in the telecommunications industry and I had no experience with doggy daycare other than the fact that I was really good with dogs and that weirdly enough when I had been a cable TV installer I'd gotten bitten a lot <laughs> and so I spent time trying to figure out why are these dogs biting me like what is their problem and I figured out the problem was me and that I needed to approach things differently so I became really kind of good at the dog thing so you know they always tell you to to start a business, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life kind of a thing. Um, I, I, when I was looking at something to start, what I, I kind of went through the things that I'm good at. Doggy daycare didn't really come up, but when doggy daycare did come up, I was able to check the box that I'm actually good with dogs. However, I had never spent any time in the industry, so I didn't really know how a doggy daycare or boarding facility would be ran, mm -hmm. or what you do or how you clean it or Know, all the things that you need to do for safety. So I did a lot of research in that area to make sure I was prepared to do it. However, I'm going to keep saying however, but I did it so different than everybody else that I feel like I've become an industry disruptor accidentally. So accidentally negotiate leases and accidentally uh, uh, in disrupt industries. Um, there's still not a lot of... of of doggy daycares that do it the way we do it they want and I understand why because what we do is we have big groups of dogs and it's a little bit labor-intensive you've got to have enough qualified people in your groups to make sure that it was they're safe um, and so I a lot of the doggy daycares and boarding facilities want to have smaller groups and and have things mechanized because it takes less people um, you have, you know, doors that open and things like that, that they can just go run in, in yards. We are, want the dogs to be really safe, but we want the, to be a whole lot of them playing together because they get a lot from that. Yes. So we really did it different. And um, that has kept us setting the bar over and over in our industry, in our community. Um, we get to set the price, what we want to charge because we do it so different. We get to set the expectation and um, so it was accidental, but it actually worked in our favor and to the dogs in our community's favor. And it's, so it's been a kind of interesting 10-year run, hasn't it? It's been an interesting 10-year run. And daily, I, uh, we have a couple of sayings in doggy daycare. One is it's not the grossest thing until somebody eats it. <laughs> Sorry about that one. And, and the other one is every day is a new day, and we wow. never can predict what's going to happen. We have... Uh, we run about 30,000 dogs a year, and the, of those, you know, 30,000 dogs, that's, you know, times four legs and all the teeth and yeah. the tails and all the things that they bring to the, 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 and then they have their owners, which are a lot of times stressed because they're going to Disneyland or they're going to Europe and they want to make sure their dog is cared for. Um, so we have gotten really good at um, handling people's nonverbal loved ones. That's a great way to put it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and you, I laughed about your first one, but I think any dog, any dog owner or dog lover is going to understand um, that, that comment. So you did, in our conversation earlier, you did make a point that, you know, it's not to all be lost, the corporate experience that you had, and that you, from day one, started to track metrics. And, and I think that's something important. Um, you know, we talk a lot about automation and delegation, 
but the importance of having scorecards and dashboards to, to be able to inspect the, the things that are important to the lifeblood of a business. Share with me, if you, if you can tell that story to the audience, a little bit about what, what you learned in corporate world and how you took that um, from a tracking standpoint and how it's benefited you. Sure. Um, so I mentioned earlier that I went from a construction, blue collar, curse words and dirt, and kicking the dirt kind of a, of a, my meetings were usually out on a job site, into a very corporate polished uh, product manager position for high-speed internet. Um, my boss at the time did not want me in that position and his teaching me the job was a lot of times, well, you have a master's degree, you figure it out. So um, he did show me, and I hated this crazy spreadsheet that he had that basically tracked expenses and revenue and equipment costs and all of these things, customers. I mean, he had this whole, and and, and I, I remember sitting there with him, not understanding what he was talking about, kind of, there would be crying on my part. I think he cried a little too. We It was an awful experience. And when day one in May of 2009, I opened the doors of Annie's Rough House. I had my spreadsheet ready because I knew that I needed to track what I was doing. And if there's anything I gleaned out of that 16 years, it was the most important thing. That. And so I was able to, even day one, zero, zero dogs, day one, day two, one, day three, four, you know, and from there I could do month over month. I could tell where we were going. And more importantly, in the, in an industry I had never been in, I could tell where the trends were. Good point. Yeah. So, um, it's a very trendy business or trendy. It's a very seasonal business. Um, a lot of times, well, the boarding is summer and 54 days a year. We, we are boarding because of specific things. We have OU Texas. Holy cow, I didn't know about that the first year. I didn't know everybody left town. I don't know why I've lived in that town my whole, I don't know, my whole life, but for a very long time. Um, I didn't expect it to impact the dog business, though. Um, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, Labor Day, you know, Easter. There's all there's 54 days a year that we, at this point in our existence, we turn away dogs. At that point, I was just seeing that those were spikes. Um, I was able to... Uh, I've been able to use that data to garner a uh, big loan from the bank based my, on my good looks and that spreadsheet. <laughs> I just said, hey, I need more. I was able to track when I started turning dogs away. Oh, I've turned away this many dogs over this amount of time. And if I multiply that by my dog dollar per dog, which is also in my little spreadsheet, then I'm able to um, predict what my income could be if I were to expand my business. What, what kind of pushback did you get from the bank? Because So basically, you went to the bank to expand, right? More equipment or whatever? Yeah, I went to the bank. So I, I had been piecing this thing together for years. Like, here's a new kennel. Here's a new kennel. Here's a new, you know, two or $300 kennel. Well, we were also learning that these two and $300 kennels had to be replaced often. So they weren't great. So I wanted to get a $200,000 kennel system. And I basically went to the bank and said, here's 54 days a year that I can't take dogs because we're full. 
and here's the, the cost for replacing these kennels that I keep doing. Here's our revenue. Here's what I can do if I were to scoop up the dogs that we just turn away. Yeah. And that doesn't even count the collateral dogs that the um, people, you know, that we don't get because they never hear about us. Um, and that dollar amount was able to translate to a loan for that kennel system. And I have since paid that off and expanded to a second location. That's just, I mean, that is what data collection is all about, right? Yeah. It, because a lot of times we're tracking the wrong levers, mm -hmm. but that lever is not only good for you to get, to get a pulse, which I would think if once you realize the seasonality of it, mm -hmm. there's opportunities to try to promote and work to get the off seasons um, at a level, but you know what to expect there. But when you want to expand, what a great strategic um, way to go about it with your lending partner. So love yeah, that. Absolutely. And I think the other important thing to do uh, early in your career as an entrepreneur is to find a lending partner that's willing to look at a spreadsheet and your good looks yeah. and, and your personality and what you're bringing to the community. Um, the other thing that the spreadsheet helped me do is not freak out in April when we don't have any customers. Like, because I know July is going to be a $100,000 month. April, it's okay if we're yeah. we float through. So in April, we do things like maintenance and training and events and things like that. So if somebody calls me and says, hey, can you do a um, whatever event in, in July? No, but I can do it in April. And I can probably do it in early November because I know exactly when my my busy time. So also I can I can uh, manage staffing well. Smart. It's very powerful. I, I want to hit one thing for our audience because I I just had this um, thought. People listening might listen to you and go spreadsheets. I can automate a lot of this, right? Right. But you had an interesting comment when we talked about that earlier. I have fancy software now, and all of my fancy software will tell me all of these things that I track, but I like being in the numbers. I like, it's almost like tangible or palatable. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's it's the numbers for me. I need to be able to look at exactly what was happening at the exact moment in 2009, you know, in my form. And I don't know if my brain has wrapped around this form, but it likes it. My brain so happy when I'm able to look at the numbers, look at the trends, and sometimes I even write them down. I'll even write stuff down and just kind of because there's just this this kind of organicness about an Excel spreadsheet. I think that's important for this reason. I think as entrepreneurs, we think we have to be the latest greatest with mm -hmm. trends and technology. And guys, if you're listening and you like me, I love spreadsheets. That's how we do a lot of our analytics. Because I like to, I almost feel like I feel it, mm -hmm. right? When you see it, mm -hmm. you, everybody listening, you do have permission to do it your way as long as you're looking at the right levers, right? And I think that's the important part is it doesn't matter if you've got a fancy up-to-date software or you're using Excel or, you know, maybe legal pad, maybe legal pad right? Yeah. You're doing it the old-fashioned way. Um, as long as it's something that you can track that's disciplined and gives you the right indicators as to where you need to be focusing, um, that's valuable. So I appreciate you sharing that, that story with us. So what, what lesson, if, you know, here we are, we're 10 years down the road. If you were looking back on this, what advice would you give an entrepreneur today who's thinking about starting 
anything from a doggy daycare to who knows what, um, off of your experience, what would you share with them today? Fire fast, fire fast. Yeah. Um, keep the data because it keeps you from freaking out at the wrong times and it helps you to know when freaking out is acceptable. Um, negotiate everything. Everything's negotiable. Yeah. No is an answer. That's fine. Um, sleep. Recognize the, the folks around you that have talents and put them in the right places. Okay. So that I'm curious. When you started this and you left the corporate world and you started, how many times did you second guess yourself in those early years? Uh, I, I think I probably second guess myself still. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a saying that I, I kind of throw out there right now that is like I'm afraid of this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. And I just decided that um, dying in that office was not what I wanted to do. I wanted to integrate my life into my work and um, that, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to do that anymore. So it didn't matter what happens from here. And I actually had a friend tell me, and hopefully this isn't too crass for this audience, but uh, he's a, a sign guy. Uh, he actually has taught me a lot of cool business lessons over the years, kind of accidentally. Um, the first one he taught me was, and not to get too off track, but uh, was I went to see him about some signs I needed. He couldn't provide that. So he sent me to somebody else who could. And so what we do at our business now, anytime we come in contact with anybody, they call us for, there's a chicken in the road, and this is a legitimate thing that's been called for, or there's a this or a that that happened, or, or I need this. If we can't, we Google it for them. We just... Find the answer, whatever that answer is. We're a doggy daycare, but you need so to know important. how to get the chicken out of the road. We'll figure it out. Um, but the other thing, the, the crass thing that he taught me, the thing that's kind of, he said, uh, are you truly, if you're not, you're not pissing yourself, are you truly in business? Mm -hmm. So I, I always think like if I'm starting to be a little uncomfortable with, some decision I've made, and I think, well, this is me growing. This is me getting better at something, and and it may fail. That's okay. Failure's fine. Right. Well, the greatest breakthroughs come when we get uncomfortable. Yes. In anything in life. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so um, it's kind of like working out. You got to break down those muscle fibers, and it hurts when you're doing it, and and, and then you you look great in a few years if you stick with it. It's it's a valuable point. And I want to I, I want to highlight it because our our job you know if we're trying to be heroes to our group of people we have to recognize that sometimes that means being a hero in a different way mm -hmm. and putting them in the right right path you know so your chicken analogy for example it doesn't fit what you do but you, who knows what impression you make on helping that person and putting them in the right area. And I've talked about that earlier with you is we there's a lot of people that come across our path that we're not the right fit for, but we do our best to try to put them in the right people's hands and and make those connections um, because we want to help. And right? at some point in the future, they'll remember that. Exactly. Or they'll put you in touch with their friend that needs your service. I, I think it, it it's something that resonates because I think that's what the entrepreneurial spirit's all about mm -hmm. is really focusing on how do we help people. Right. And right. and so you are obviously a big hero in that world. 
What has you most excited about Annie's Rough House as you look out into the future? Well, I've learned about myself that I really like projects. I like um, starting projects and starting businesses as a project for me. Um, we expanded last year to another building, which had some different offerings, kind of like a laboratory setting where we wanted to see what worked. Um, some of it's worked, some of it's not. Um, I like trying the things. It's so exciting. Uh, one of the things that we did, and it got a lot of buzz when we did it, was we that that facility is an indoor dog park where you can pay to come in to our facility that's got staff that will make sure your dog is safe and, and, and will help you and clean up after you and your dog and our facility is clean and, and air conditioned and all that stuff. Uh, and so we thought this is a no brainer. Why, why would people not just beat our door down to get to it? Um, and, and, and we have one person really <laughs> that comes to that. So it just didn't, it just didn't have the value there for people that we, that, but we were able to use the space in other ways. We do training. Um, we have, in a, a self-serve bath bays and we were able to do kids camp list last summer so uh, i'm thinking i guess i'm playing the long game here so i'm, I'm, oh. I'm maybe it's the mcdonald's model where indoctrinate those kids real, real quick and i'll either have a good workforce in a few years because i've trained them from the get-go uh, or i'll have clients but it, but it's so valuable to to look out and and not get stale Right, because it'd be mm -hmm. very easy. You've got a model; it seems mm -hmm. to to be working and resonating. Probably have a good growth rate, mm -hmm. um, but innovation. You know, again, we talk about it. What's unique becomes commoditized, mm -hmm. right? And so the ability to see, you know, what what does your client base want? Yeah, so that's uh, interesting. We talked about this earlier, and um, that we scalability is kind of difficult in a big facility with people and and it's can be expensive and so um, scalability can mean a lot of things and for me it actually means being able to teach other people to do what I'm doing so you asked me what I'm excited about um, I'm excited to kind of dig into a, a, a sort of an intellectual property driven scale products offering um, where I can teach people to do what I've done because I feel like I've done all of the things in the last 10 years. I've done things wrong, so wrong in some of the places, and I've learned uh, a lot. I know everything about you know how to manage large groups of dogs, and that's one of the things that we've done so different than everybody else is these large groups of dogs. So if I can um, help people learn to do that and then create a an offering and a revenue stream for myself, I think that's kind of a win-win. Yeah, it's exciting. absolutely. And I can tell by the way you kind of get excited when you tell that, that, that you're onto something. Well, so I want to highlight this because as a coffee, or I would say a coffee lover, we'll just mm -hmm. say entrepreneur probably wouldn't be the word to, to say that. But so you have your significant other, your husband. Tell me a little bit about the, the coffee and, and what that experience is, because that's something totally different uh, and new. Yeah, because every person should uh, uh, go from telecommunications to doggy daycare to coffee, <laughs> right? Because those are those are logical leaps. Um, so once Annie's Rough House kind of got off the ground and was supporting us personally, financially, um, my husband, who had been in the 
very Oklahoma industry of the oil field. Um, he's over 50 and needn't to not abuse his body in that way uh, anymore. So we basically made a decision that we could live off of what Annie's was providing for us and that he should go find his true calling, the thing he wanted to do, the thing that makes him get excited in the morning and want to, you know, go to work and be at work. And, um, and he did a spirit quest where he explored his options and came down to being a coffee roaster. Um, and so he, and I always tell a story like as a, you know, we're mid fifties couple, um, husband says he has a $30,000 bright yellow machine he wants to buy. You're thinking Corvette or a used Corvette, <laughs> a crappy old used Corvette maybe. And no, it's a, a coffee roasting machine. Um, and he started roasting coffee about two years ago. Uh, we are, our, our business, Annie's Rough House, is named after our Labrador. Um, yellow Dog Coffee Company is the coffee company because our yellow lab Yellow dog. So um, he uh, launched that. We had a little farm. He put. He, we built out a, a garage into a roastery, and um, we hit the run, the ground running. I was super excited because it was a new project, and it's something fun to do. And let's market it, and let's do it. What you know? And and we're learning about a whole new industry, which is is awesome. Um, but in January, we sold our farm so that we could have more time to devote to our businesses. So we had to move the roastery. So now we've just opened it up in town in the middle of Norman. Um, and it actually is a full service coffee shop as well. In the middle of that build out, because I didn't have enough projects in my plate, um, I get this call from a friend of a friend that this other coffee shop was for sale. Did we want to look at it? And I kind of balked at the idea because I had too much on my plate. and. My business partner, who's just came onto the scene about a year ago, has a lot more energy than me. She said, no, 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 let's look at this. So we did the numbers and we figured out that it's a beautiful union because it's an existing coffee shop with not great coffee. We have great coffee being roasted over here and the great coffee could be available and we can be on both sides of the dollar, so to speak. Um, so we're selling coffee to ourselves at this coffee shop at a better rate than we were getting from the other bean supplier. supplier. Right. So, so we're learning about retail and product offerings. And my husband is is an awesome coffee roaster, by the way. So there was that moment, and and we fired up the roasting machine a few years ago when, it, when we got it in. And he he'd been telling me all this stuff, and it was exciting, but I wasn't confident as you know why I didn't know is he going to be good at this or not. Right. And I mean, I almost cried that first cup of coffee that we made out of those beans that he'd roasted. It was so incredibly good, and he does a great job of picking wonderful origins, and he does it based on the farm, the ethical uh, implications of the farm. One of his main offerings is a Ethiopian. Sadamo region. It's a co-op of 51 all-women farmers there. So uh, they all have three to five acres. So a three-acre farm is not going to do much by itself. But you put 51 of those farms together, and this these uh, women support their families and their their community on this co-op. So we're all also able to kind of like buy local but globally. 
So we're able to, to really dig into the, the, the supplier, the farmer, and then, and then we're, we're roasting it local. So we, we have this small craft locally roasted coffee that's available in restaurants in our community now. That's, it's an amazing story. So that's Yellow Dog Coffee Company. Yellow Dog Coffee Company. If you're in Norman or you're visiting, maybe yeah. you're not. We're on Tonawan Jones. Okay. At, we're on Alameda as uh, not not currently rebranded, but it's called Cool Beans Coffee. Okay. Um, but we're rebranding to Yellow Dog soon. I, I have to think that, Sarita, you check all the boxes as a serial entrepreneur. Um, and, and it has been wonderful, just as I expected. To, to have you on and share your story. If, you know, we're coming to the end of the show. If people wanted to get in touch with you, they wanted to learn about Annie's Rough House or Yellow Dog Coffee Company, you know, other than just showing up, what's the best way they, for them to learn more about your, your you and your companies? Sure. Um, just shoot me an email at Sarita, which is S-E-R-E-T-A dot Wilson at yahoo.com. That goes directly to me. I answer every one of those, and I'm happy to, to chat with you. Um, talk about your project. I love to. I love thinking about projects. So good. And does Annie's or Yellow Dog? Do we have websites? We do. Annie'sRoughHouse.com and YellowDogCoffeeCompany.com. Uh, we also have Annie's Rescue Foundation, a 501c3 that we um, rescue and uh, place uh, dogs in homes. Um, work with our local shelter to provide uh, medical assistance to um, fund things that go outside what a municipal shelter could fund. Uh, dogs hit by a car, heartworms, things like that. So uh, we also have recently launched RoarAndPeaceProject.com, which is a podcast okay. and uh, um, just a whole other project. Always serial entrepreneur, right? Serial Always got to have a project. A lot of irons in the fire. <laughs> well, I love, I love this. It's been great. Thank you so much. And, you know, it's inspirational on a lot of levels, so I appreciate it. Um, guys, you've been listening to the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rick Hadrava. And until next time, just keep moving the dial. Thanks for listening. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com formula. And remember, we're only getting started.